Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We are in Mark chapter 11, and uh, here we see the triumphal entry, but it's not a triumphal chapter. In fact, uh, Jesus has some harsh things to say and do here. So let's start at the triumphal entry. First six verses are all about getting the, the, the donkey, and there's a lot of theories as to why um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, who all have this story, spend a lot of unnecessary time on the donkey. Uh, my theory is it has to do with the fulfillment that Matthew makes a big deal of, particularly of uh, Jesus um, fulfilling Zechariah's prophecy. But nonetheless, I, I don't want to spend forever on, on the donkeys. Right. So verse 7, They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. He sat on it, and many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. I want to just highlight a few things here. Um, one, notice the reference to David. It takes us back to, to blind Bartimaeus, isn't it? Another connection. Even though blind Bartimaeus has a hard break, so think of this as a really a new chapter, a new act, if you will, in in, in the story. Uh, but there is a connection. Blind Bartimaeus is crying, um, a son of David. Um, and what is they're saying? Hosea to, to, to David. Uh, Hosanna, rather, um, which is, uh, uh, they're, they're quoting from, from a psalm. Other things to point out is is the spreading of cloaks on the road and the palm branches. This is why we celebrate Palm Sunday. Um, is that that is um, um, that was I mean not common, but it was imagery that was well established. Much in the same way, uh, yesterday was was the inauguration. So a lot of the imagery there's familiar to us. We do it all the time, but it's familiar to us. So too, this would have been familiar imagery for the Jews. Uh, this, uh, some of this shows up in the Old Testament, the riding on a donkey, David does it, some of the other kings. But the palm branches and stuff really have their main genesis in the Maccabean Revolt. We don't have time to get into all of it. But when the Greeks were pushed out of um, Jerusalem and the temple was um, sanctified and all that, because it had been desecrated by, by the Greeks, they celebrated by welcoming the Maccabeans in this sort of way. So it gives us a hint into what they're expecting Jesus to accomplish in his arrival in Jerusalem. That's what makes the rest of this chapter so surprising because we would expect after a, a reception like this, uh, some publisher reached out to Jesus and asked him to, you know, put out a book, right? It'll be a bestseller. Um, but that's not what Jesus does. Um, so uh, they are singing messianic hymns. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And so uh, the, the imagery is quite striking. But, but notice where Mark takes us next. The, Jesus enters the, the, the temple, and then then he's going to end up leaving. He enters Jerusalem, then he ends up leaving. So the next day, verse 12, on the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. Bethany was where they, uh, the city of Jerusalem would, would expand during Passover, where they had to actually um, broaden the borders of Jerusalem because because you had to be in Jerusalem during Passover. Well, it wasn't big enough for, for all the uh, Jews to be there, so they had to essentially say, well, you're still in Jerusalem if you're over here. So Jesus is staying in Bethany. Um, and we have several stories about what happens in Bethany. It's where Jesus' feet is anointed. It's where Lazarus, Mary, and Martha all live. 
and that's probably where they are here. And Jesus is hungry, and seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. But he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again, and his disciples heard it. And this is where he curses it. It withers, they come back later, we won't take the time to look at it. Um, but it, it's withered, and it's, it's dead. Um, a lot of people struggle with this, and, and I don't really know why. Now, it is one of only two destructive miracles Jesus ever did. The other we actually saw in Mark, and that was when uh, the pigs were, um, the, the demons were thrown into pigs and they went off the cliff. Um, I said yesterday that blind Bartimaeus is the last major uh, miracle in uh, Mark until the resurrection. You have this one, but it's, it's not the sort of miracle we're used to seeing where Jesus is cleansing um, people or healing people and you know stuff like that. Um, so what do we do with this? Well, we need to understand how it works. The, the, basically, the tree showed signs of life, but upon a uh, closer look, it bore no fruit. So the way the fig tree works is, is when he sees, um, uh, he sees the fig tree and leaf there in verse 13. That leaf, the leaves come after the fruit. And so if you see the leaves, you should be able to see the fruit. So from a distance, the tree looks like it's, it's, it, it can be uh, eaten from. But as you got closer, you realize you, you couldn't do that at all. And this becomes a metaphor for Israel, for Jesus. He curses the fig tree because that is what's coming to Israel. Yes, the ultimate climax is in uh, the destruction of Jerusalem and, and its temple in AD 70 by the Romans. Yeah, I, I, think, I think there's some truth to that. But the main thing is, is that Israel looks to be like they're obedient to the Mosaic law. They look like they're doing everything right. But as you get closer to it, you realize it is farce. Man, I, I'm afraid that describes way, way too many Christians. Let's be honest. What are our churches going to look like whenever everything opens up again in a few months? What are we going to discover? Same thing we've known during the crisis. A lot of people from a distance talk a good game, look look the right way. Man, when you get close, you realize there is no fruit on that tree. And man, we, we really need to be pruned, and I trust the Lord will do that graciously. Well, from the cursing of the fig tree, we come the cursing of the, the, the temple. Isn't that what the cleansing is? So what he sees, in, and this is why Mark, he has the event of the cursing of the fig tree, and the teaching about the cursing of the fig tree um, bookmarked um, on each end of the cleansing of the temple. We're to see these as related. Jesus has to cleanse the temple for the same reason he had to curse the fig tree. The temple itself is unclean. The temple itself looks pretty, but is really lifeless. And so he comes to cleanse it. So it tells us there in verse 15, uh, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Uh, you know, Jesus quotes the Old Testament, my house shall be called a house of prayer for the nations. You made a den of robbers. Notice it's my house, not God's house, my house. So Jesus is claiming for himself to be the possessor and owner of the temple. Very striking language we often overlook. Notice also the temples for the nations. Whenever it is the nations being kept out of the temple. So, so Jesus um, cleanses it. The other gospels make this more clear. Once he cleanses it, he starts to teach from it. So he becomes the true and better temple, which would be fulfilled actually in the cross and resurrection. Um, and then in verses 20 to uh, 26, um, the lesson of the fig tree is, is given. But, but, but make no mistake, it's the connection with all of it. 
when, when they welcome Jesus into Jerusalem, it sounds good, it looks good, and you can imagine the disciples thinking, finally, something good is happening. Finally, what we had hoped for has become reality. What's Jesus' message here? It's, it's, it's false. It's false. And Jesus will be killed because he dared to challenge this broken, fruitless tree. Well, I really want to leave it there. You get the lesson of the fig tree, verse 20 to 26. And then you get Jesus' authority once again challenged, verse 27 through 33, the end of the chapter, where Jesus, in response to their question, asks them a question, stumps them. And so he says, well, then I'm not going to answer your, your question. And the reason he's able to stump them is because the religious elites care about their popularity, not faithfulness. Jesus cares about faithfulness, not popularity. Maybe there's a lesson there for you and I. See if you can help me think of one. Hope to see you guys here, Lord willing, tomorrow.